Hello and welcome to another Big Finish podcast. Excellent. Yes. Hey. I'm Nick Briggs. That was Paul Sprague rushing I'm... off to his desk. David Richardson. Hello, David. Listen, it's over to you, really, because this is a Blake 7 special. I'm quite excited about Blake 7. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, um, Blake 7. Um, We got the rights to it last May, I think it was, wasn't it? We we got the the contract all signed and sealed and raced into getting these ready. Um, The first three stories are now out in a box set of the Liberator Chronicles Volume 1. It's three stories. The first is The Turing Test, starring um, Paul Darrow as Avon and Michael Keating as Villa, written by Simon Guerrier. Guerrier? Yeah, it is Guerrier. I say Guerrier just to annoy him, but it is actually Guerrier. The second is Solitary by Nigel Fares, which stars Michael Keating as Villa with Anthony Howell as Gustav Nyron. And the third is Counterfeit by Peter Angelides, which stars Gareth Thomas as Blake and Paul Darrow as Avon. Um, and I'm really chuffed with them, actually. I think uh, they achieved exactly what we set out to do, which was to authentically recreate uh, the TV series in audio form. Um, mm-hmm. I've been looking at the reviews online, and people seem to be very happy with them. Yeah, the reviews uh, are very good. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah I've, I've just come back because I wanted to say, can I read out this quick letter? that says, uh, Dear uh, Nick, David and Paul, just to let you know that as a long-time devotee of Big Finish that I have three complaints about the new Blake 7 box set. One, it only had three stories. Two, each story was far too short. Three, each story was so good that I had to listen to the next story straight away. <laughs> I've now run out of Blake 7 until the new novel in May. Well done all, but I won't be happy until these are coming out on a monthly basis. That's Michael Evans who sent that. Oh, bless you, Michael. Oh, <laughs> hey. If you could just hit the desk as you leave. Yeah, yeah, so much, I'm yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and I'm actually just reading the book that's coming out in May. I've got the manuscript. And that's, that's corking, actually. I've not been involved in the writing or editing of it, but they've done a grand job. So this is all extremely exciting. Uh, who have we got in this podcast now? OK, this podcast will start off with um, Michael Keating, Anthony Howell, Lisa Bauman and myself. Um, and that's a session we recorded at the end of Solitary. Um, after that, we've got Gareth Thomas talking during the studio recording of Counterfeit. And we've also got Peter Angelides, the writer of Counterfeit, and a long-time Blake 7 fan. So first of all, what's the first lineup? First lineup is Michael Keating, Anthony Howell, Lisa Bauman, and me. Hello, my name's Michael Keating, and I play the character Villa in Blake 7 and have done for on and off for a number of years now. Hi, my name's Anthony Howell. I'm playing Gustav Nyron. Uh, and was a huge fan of Blake 7 when I was a little boy. <laughs> hey, hello, um, I'm Lisa Bauman and I'm directing the uh, Liberator Chronicles. And this is the Big Finish podcast. Hello. Right, everybody, we have just recorded our very first Blake 7 audio <laughs> at Big Finish. It was the very first. What was it like? Have you had a nice day? Well, 
I like the silence. <laughs> I've had a fantastic time. I've had a fantastic time. And uh, interestingly enough, we're very near to the anniversary, as we've, the day we've recorded it, very near to the anniversary 30 years ago, coming up in November, uh, that we actually finished the very last episode. Well, certainly I did. I don't know whether anyone... That was 30 hung on. years ago. I was only five at the time. <laughs> I, had, um, I must have watched the so, DVD. Uh, you, yes, box sets, love, box sets. A lot of water and uh, other things have gone under the bridge. <laughs> well, that's quite fitting then, isn't it? It if is. It's near the anniversary. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'm going to ask everybody, and I'm going to start with you, Michael, yes, what indeed. your first memory of Blake 7 was. Right, my first memory was in a place called Betchworth Quarry, which actually is no longer there. They've actually filled it in. It's on the uh, North Downs Way, if you know where that is. It's sort of and in Surrey. And you've got the from there. I know you do. And um, <laughs> that's the very first bit of filming I did before you actually went into the studio, and it was for episode four of the first season, and it was the episode that introduced Callie. And we were in this quarry with a lot of chalk, and uh, it was um, interesting. <laughs> it had its own Cold. weather, you know. Oh, yes. And, uh, but there we are. That's another story. And Anthony... What yeah. do you remember? What do I remember? Um, I remember the spaceship. I was, um, I mean, I was, I was, I was very young at the time, but so was I. <laughs> I loved uh, it. Was um, it was better than the Star Trek Enterprise? It was that big three pronged oh, spaceship yeah. thing, and I just loved the um, the, the flight deck because it was just so cool. Uh, and then, of course. Um, Serverlan. I had a real crush on Serverlan. <laughs> she, she excited me and terrified me at the same time. Um, and I just loved it. She was it's just amazing the amount so of cool. people I've heard say that. <laughs> I'm sure Jackie would be <laughs> impressed. Not. Um, isn't that I, I, I can't remember. I just remember watching it. I just remember. Although, sadly, I was probably a, a little bit more older and a little bit more cynical about the spaceship because I thought it just looked like three air fresheners stuck on a bit of <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm Get sorry, out. I'm sorry. It's sacrilege, yeah, I know. Never I know. watch reruns. But no, I know. I I do distinctly remember being very impressed by the female characters because they were all quite ballsy. And Serverland, yeah. what a great haircut! Sir what Land. a they great were, haircut! They were she all just very went ballsy, for it. and by yeah. God, they stood up for themselves. They yes. yes. <laughs> did all the time. No, I, I, I remember the first episode going out, and it was around Christmas because the Christmas decorations were still up. I just, I just, yeah, really vividly remember it being there. It was New Year. It, it was, was New Year. New Year God, and it was 1978. Oh. So when I was talking about the quarry, that was actually uh, October 1977, as I recall. And yes, it was 1978, and it was the year I finally passed my driving test in uh, a little village in Scotland that was my third go at it. Anyway, that's another story. <laughs> Nothing on the road. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Apart from a cow. And then I remember the following Christmas, they did like a compilation they did. of. Yes. Right. Yes, they so did. Gosh, all... you've got a better memory, I can't I know. Very I know. good. So, what did we think of this script? I, I really like this, but I'm. Well, I liked yeah. it very much, and. Um, and I loved working with Anthony and, and Lisa. And, Likewise. And everybody. And, and it's, it's a good, it's very interesting episode, actually. The, the big one for me, for Villa, mm. very interesting. It gives me a chance to um, perhaps be slightly more versatile than I have been in the past. There's a, there's a certain, I felt there's a certain claustrophobia to this one, especially when mm. he's, he's sitting in that self the entire time. I mean, obviously mm. the flashbacks mm. happen, but you, I love those th stories where you don't quite, know where you are but it is like life and it's also when we started doing Blake 7 we only had uh, four episodes four scripts for the first four episodes so we didn't really know 
any of us were really where it was going but then we kept saying well it is like life you don't know where life is going you don't know where Blake Seven's going so uh, anyway, we got there in the end and we're still going there it seems to be with, with this episode what I find quite quite exciting for, for a, a tiny bit of a sort of nostalgia thing is that at the moment that Michael kicked in with Villa it, it, it was yeah. it's very you've picked just picked Villa up and mm. run with it again it's like, it's like you've never been away in a way. <laughs> 30 years you it know is. it was just oh listen it's Villa being all cheeky and, you know. it was it must be nice, actually, just to get back into the role. Yes, yeah. it is. I mean, I'm a granddad now, you know, and um, it's lovely to uh, go backwards. <laughs> and you were the only character that was in every episode. So I, I was the only one who couldn't get any other work. And, uh, <laughs> yes, I was. I was in every episode. And, um, yes, and, uh, and and doing this as well has been great. I, I have to say that we were witness to Anthony's rather spectacular Avon. <laughs> yes, we were a bit cheeky, weren't we? It was a bit good, actually. It was a bit it? good. Yes, Keep Paul, it quiet. <laughs> remake, Paul remake. Darrow, <laughs> Paul Darrow, watch out. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. CD extras, maybe. <laughs> Definitely. The Definitely. And should we say, Anthony, how you came to be here today? Uh, well, I mean, we could do. I mean, I, I was um, I was recording uh, an episode of Doctor Who: The Lost Stories uh, with David as producer uh, for the Big Finish uh, a few months ago, I think it was. And um, you mentioned. I mean, we, we we mentioned in passing that you know uh, I was a. Huge fan of Blake Seven, and by coincidence, you said you'd just got the rights to doing it. And I said, Oh, wow! <laughs> and you said, Would you like to do a bit? And I said, Oh, yeah. But, yeah. To which I then get a text going, Do you think Anthony Ham? I went, Oh, no, let me think about that. So I, thought, I, think, I think it'd be rubbish. I don't want to you've, no, wanted no. To, you've wanted to work with I've Anthony. I've wanted to work with ages, Anthony. I have, I, I admit it. I, I have. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm very pleased, and I have to say, it's sounding really. Very special. I mean, yeah. uh, also the decision to make these stories not full on cast, but that, ca- that I'm obviously we're, we're biased, aren't we, David? We like mm. the Companion Chronicles feel, that sort of intimate feel of, of kind of two handers and, and narratives. And I think this particular script works very well. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you're just sitting back and listening oh, to your voices yeah. is just yeah, it's great. something wonderful. So let's leave everybody with a clip. Mm. And this is Blake Seven Solitary. could have sworn I... Wait a minute. Where's this? Who... No, don't be stupid. I know who I am. Of course I know who I am. Who, then? This is ridiculous. What were you drinking last night, Villa? Ah, Villa. Well, you've got the name, at least. Villa. Yes, that's what I said. Villa, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. But I can't see you. Where are you? Can you hear me, Villa? Are you in there? Yes, I can hear you. I said I can hear you. And yes, I'm definitely in here. The trouble is, I I haven't the faintest idea where here is. And to be perfectly honest, I've only a vague idea who Villa is. Who I am, I mean. And as for you... Forgive me, have we been introduced? Villa, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. You obviously can't hear me. Villa? There's no... Oh, what's it called? You press it and you can talk to people. Oh, what was I drinking last night? Communicator! 
There's no communicator, so how can I hear you if you can't hear me? Hello? Locked. Never mind, there isn't a lock I can't pick, eh, Gan? Who's Gan? Gan? Is that you? No, not Gan, whoever Gan is. Maybe Gan locked me in. No, that's not right. Far more like Avon. Avon? That's interesting. Whoever Avon is, he's giving me a headache. Perhaps he gave me the drink. No, that's not right either. How am I supposed to pick a lock without my tools? What do you think I am, Blake, a magician? Blake, in charge. Avon gives me a headache. Gan, friendly giant. Jenna, that's who gave me the drink. Blonde, stronger than she looks. You wait till I get out of here, Jenna. I'm, I'm going to... Uh, going to what, Villa? Give her a piece of your mind? Someone else. Oh, this really is the worst hangover I've ever had. Okay, now uh, we're uh, on to the next section of this Blake 7 podcast. Who have we got coming up, David? Blake himself, ladies and gentlemen. Gareth Thomas. Thomas? Thomas, <laughs> yes. I love him. He's great. I'm Gareth Thomas. I played Blake in the original series of Blake 7. And we're here at uh, Audio Sorcery Studios in Wadhurst, and we've just recorded another of the oh. Liberator Chronicles. How's it been coming back to play Blake? Um, interesting. Yeah? Um, I mean, it, it's, it's a lot easier doing it 30 years on when you don't have to worry about the visual effect. Right, yeah. <laughs> the fact that my hair is white and I've put on weight is a material uh, when you're doing it over, 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 the, over the audio. Uh, no, it's quite fun. I mean, because it's uh, largely narration, you, of course, don't have all the crew together. No. Um, and uh, so that's a different... But, you no, know, it's, it's good fun. Yeah. It's good fun. Do you miss that kind of repartee? Oh, I think I've, I've said this many times. I think one of the main reasons why Blake 7 was so successful, I mean, yes, good scripts, everything else, was the fact that very obviously we all got on so well together. Yeah. And I think that comes across on television very well. Sure. And, of course, you kept in contact over the years because you yes. were on conventions. Too, yeah. You? Yes, I was in touch with... Well, I'm seeing Mike this weekend. I was in touch with him. I went to see him on Wednesday. We had lunch together. Yes. Did, you were saying these on narrated stories. I mean, one thing I like about the narrated stories is they get into the heads of the characters. Have you found that you've been able to explore a little? Well, I did about the, the heads of the character itself. What's more interesting is, at least I find more interesting, it makes him explain his attitudes to the others, mm. which of course he would never do under normal circumstances. I mean, there are one or two things here he says about Avon, uh, which couldn't really have been said in the television thing, mm -hmm. but it's visual. So from that point of view, I do find it very interesting. He's, he's almost not psychoanalyzing the others, but I mean, explaining why they're a group, why they're together. I mean, he at one point says, that's one thing I do like about Avon. Um, and so from that point of view, I don't think he, he, he really, uh, with narration, goes too deeply into his own uh, reasons for doing things, mainly because in the series, of course, uh, he kept on saying, this is, you know, I am the, the, the white or the charger on the white horse. Um, and occasionally he says things like that, I wouldn't let that happen. No, you can't kill him. No, you might, this sort of thing. Mm. So I don't think he's changed. Mm. I don't think anybody's changed, but the difference is he's explaining the others. Mm. And would you have ever imagined that you'd be coming back to play him one day? And is it something that you'd ever considered? 
No, actually. Uh, but then, having said that, I. No, no. I, I suppose no. I, I didn't. I mean, I was just going to say, but then I've played various parts, sort of twice and twenty years later. But of course, it's the same part twenty years later. No, um, I wouldn't have said thirty years ago. Oh, let's do some audios of this in thirty years' time. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, thirty years ago, I probably would have said I probably won't make thirty years' time. <laughs> Um, why do you why do you think the show has endured? What, I mean, now looking back, people. Oh, a variety it. of things. I mean, uh, one is, well, as I said, I think it was one of the best shows on television for a group of people who obviously got on very well together. Mm. Secondly, I've also said this many times. I think it's because it's one of the very few series that's finite. Um, Terry himself said, you know, it got to the stage whereby it was them and us, and somebody's got to win. Mm. Otherwise, it just becomes boring and monotonous. Um, I won't give any. Um, uh, my own opinions about other television shows that just go on and on and on and on. Um, I, I, they're, they're fine shows, but they're nothing to do with what they originally you know, set out to be. Uh, whereas we set out to do this, to have the Federation and us, and either we would take over the world and uh, beat the, to the uh, Federation, or they would win. And uh, I, I thought the last script was beautifully written because it still left a little element of doubt. We were still possibly running around a bit. Mm. Um, so I think that's the main reason. It was it was finite. That was it. Mm. It's now a cult programme. Um, of which there aren't that many, I don't think. You know, things like the, the Prisoners, another one. Mm. And things like that. Uh, but again, because they were finite. Is it true that you asked for him to be killed off? Um, I'm, yes. <laughs> well, uh, yes, uh, yes, because I mean, I, I, I knew basically that's what he didn't want necessarily me to be killed off, but he recognised that was going to be the end. And once we found out that was going to be the end, I said, well, then fine, I want to be killed. Um, and I think I'm right in saying I actually had a say in the fact that it was Avon that killed me as well. Uh, because I said that would be the best possible way. It also is a much better way, I think, in terms of the uh, the story, is that it was Avon that shot him, not the... So the Federation didn't actually win. <laughs> <laughs> Hundreds of metres above, clamped like a limpet on the planet's inhospitable surface, the control centre for the Bovey mine hummed with the cold, uncaring efficiency of any Federation facility. The technicians focused on their monitors, hunting for scraps of pertinent information about the operations listening intently to incoming data summaries through their earpieces. But most of all, they tried to stay alert, because staying alert meant they would not draw the attention of Supervisor Kettle. And that was Gareth Thomas talking to David Richardson, who's here as well. Hello. <laughs> Still. Well, and um, now we've got one of the writers, haven't we? We have Peter Angelides, who um, he's been involved in Blake's fandom forever. Um, and is also now a professional writer and, uh, I don't know why I said now, he's been a professional writer forever as well. Yes, um, and literally. Literally. And uh, he wrote Counterfeit, A Labour of Love. Were you excited? Very. I haven't seen Gareth Thomas in person since I actually sneaked along with two of my pals to watch the recording in Television Centre of Blake, the final ever episode of Blake 7. And that was approximately 30 years ago to the day, I'm told by Michael Keating. But I'm looking good in it. Well, that's a point for serious debate. We'll come to that later. That's why it's all on audio. <laughs> that's why it's all on audio. Um, but your interest in Blake 7 goes back to 
the TV show, doesn't it? Like mine. It does, right the way back to the 1970s, because it was coming out just shortly after uh, Star Wars had, uh, mm -hmm. had hit the big screen. Mm -hmm. I was a great enthusiast of both of Blake Seven and of Doctor Who. And um, as you'll recall, because you wrote for it, I ran a uh, fan magazine with two of my pals, Tony and Peter, um, which had Doctor Who and Blake Seven as part of it, and that was called Frontier Worlds. Mm. So I was a devotee right from the offset. I know. I remember those days because we were kind of like younger and studentish, and we used to gather together with groups of pals and watch episodes and get drunk and things, didn't we? Like we did, yes. That was part of the ritual. Kids. Yes, absolutely. And little did we know then. Where we'd be now? <laughs> in a studio in Tunbridge. <laughs> in a studio in Tunbridge. So the whole the whole idea of, of making original Blake Seven on audio. What, what does that mean to you? It's really exciting. I've had a chance to do some Doctor Who's, and I was uh, very pleased to be invited to do a, a Blake Seven one because it goes, as you say, right back to my enthusiasm as a as a lad, mm. um, writing fiction and uh, organising fanzines and so on. To so to do it with the uh, with the actual cast involved is just fantastic. Mm. And you can plug right into that world. I mean, you, you were made, back in the day, you were doing sort of A to Zs of Blake 7, I remember. So That's right. We did an encyclopedia called Tariel Cell, which yeah. um, pedantically listed every single element of, uh, of the first two series of Blake 7. Sadly, we never got round to the third <laughs> and the fourth. Well, it's never too late. It's never, never too late. Never. Yes, right. I'll, I'll go home and start typing straight away. Is it all still in your head? Some of it is, yes. Yeah. Um, please don't put me on mastermind and test me, though. Oh, I'm so so interested in testing you now. But there was a was a little test when we were recording earlier, whether it was Centero or Kentero, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, I know. And I, I, I was pretty sure it was Kentero, but I thought I'd better just double-check with you. Yeah, you say that now. <laughs> so, um, let's give our listeners a bit of a, a tease of what this story is about. Counterfeit. Originally I was asked to do something which focused on Blake and Avon together and I quite liked that idea. Mm. So uh, I wondered how we might do that without it just being them sitting in a room talking to each other. And I liked the idea of the different roles they each play. I also quite liked the idea of doing something which was very uh, audio based that perhaps the TV series couldn't have done. So it's, uh, it's largely set in a mine, which I thought was quite nice. You wouldn't be able to do that convincingly on... Uh, uh, on TV, perhaps, uh, unless you um, either took everyone down a Wookiee hole or perhaps did a sort of underworld Doctor Who style set of effects. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was uh, one of the, the appeals as well. And I also thought it might be quite nice for different audio ambiances, you know, the Liberator set and the, uh, um, the, the mines and then some, some offices and that kind of stuff. Mm. I have to say, I mean, it's one thing that appealed to me doing this, I mean, not only because I love Blake Seven, but in terms of the format, the fact it was going to be two-handers, I did feel that was an advantage in a way because it allows you to really focus on the characters and get under the skin of the characters in a way that maybe the TV series didn't because they were playing with so many lead actors all the time. Yeah, it really made me focus on that. Originally, I'd written dialogue essentially for all the cast because it was yeah. so tempting to go back and do that kind of... Um, the, the sort of snappy repartee that uh, three or four or five characters all have in one scene. And uh, there were two reasons why that didn't work. First of all, it, it meant that essentially one of our, our two actors would have to do impressions of the rest of the cast, which mm. seemed a bit a bit uh, uh, odd. And uh, secondly, it meant that you, you didn't get that snappy interaction when you had them both in the same scene that you have with two actors playing off each other. Mm. So it's quite nice to hone in on those two. And that then came back to the original idea of what's the relationship between Blake and Avon. Mm. And I do love, I mean, the, the, the interaction between the two of them in this is lovely, I think. It's really sparky dialogue. Well, thank you. 
Well, that was Peter Anglides talking to you, David Richardson. Before this podcast ends, have you anything else exciting to say about Blake 7? Um, just that I'm knee-deep in scripts and recording schedules for further stories. Um, the second box set is out in August. The third box set is out next February and then another one following August. And if you want to pre-order the 2013 uh, box sets, they're online now. So, uh, wow. yes, please do subscribe. Because did you know that subscribers get more at BigFinish.com? Mm, they do. Do they? Yes, they do. Um, okay then, bye. Bye. Hold on, hold on, just before you go, don't go. Because you might remember at the end of the previous podcast, David Richardson said he thought the interview with Paul Darrow had somehow been destroyed, disintegrated, vanished. But that's not true. Because you see, it's here now. Yeah, someone emailed it to me. Are you sitting comfortably? I'm Paul Darrow, who plays Avon. Hey. <laughs> and I'm Lisa Vaman, who is directing the Liberator Chronicles. Hello, we've just been recording some Blake 7. Um, we've done the Turing test, in which Paul Darrow is back playing Avon. And it feels quite special, actually. feels a bit of an occasion. Paul, how lovely to have you back. That's very kind, thank you. No, it's, it's been wonderful. How's it been for you? The Earth moved. <laughs> <laughs> You've had a good time, I can tell. Well, yes, yes. Uh, the Earth did move, didn't it, in uh, the script? It yeah. did. So, uh, yeah, it's been fun to do. Thank you very much. So if, you, if you're going to sort of tease this story to somebody who's, who's not heard it, who's waiting for it, how, how would you describe it for Eva? What was it about? Oh. You're asking an actor. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have to understand what we're saying, do we? Uh, I, I don't remember that in the small print. Um, well, it's, uh, it's very clever, actually, the Turing test that we're talking about, aren't we? That's right, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite clever because Alan Turing, of course, was uh, at um, Bletchley Park um, breaking the Enigma code. And so... Uh, this is about the coding... Oh, I don't want to give too much away, but this is about the coding, if you like, of um, androids. Mm. Um, uh, yeah. But it's also about... It, it, there's an element of, 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 of questioning Avon's nature as a, as a, as a person, I think, as well. Mm. Yes, yes. He uh, comes to a rather sad conclusion about himself. He's a, he's a fascinating character, though, isn't he? I mean, when when you were making the original TV series, how how quickly did you really realise he was somebody you could get hold of and really run with? Well, I had the advantage of uh, not having to be the hero, the one with the white hat, so hmm. I could do things that I believed that a person of that type would do in difficult circumstances, like he hit women, shot people in the back, the usual, <laughs> you know, just the guys letting off steam, having a little fun. And he was wearing black leather as well, if I remember and Not right. initially. Oh, uh, really? No, no, that, that came later, uh, when uh, Gareth Thomas, who played Blake, uh, refused to wear leather, but said, oh, Paul will wear it. And uh, the lady who was the costume designer told me that. <laughs> really? uh, and, of course, Gareth was right. Yeah. <laughs> 
How soon was it when you were out on the street that people would start talking to you about it and giving you feedback? Did that happen in the very early days when the first episodes were going? Yes, out? yes. You, there was uh, actually it was quite a slow build-up, but um, when I say slow, a couple of weeks maybe, rather than because it it was on every week. Mm. So uh, yeah, two or three weeks, uh, people began to click in. Mm. And the show, it is held in extraordinary affection, isn't it, by people? I mean, only recently we had Anthony Howlin just because he wanted to be in a Blake 7, didn't he? Um, Absolutely. Oh, he, he was, in fact, he was, I think he was relishing more filling in Avon's voice than he was doing the part that he was playing. I think uh, during the, the initial recordings of some of the, uh, the chronicles we've been doing, no, obviously I we've had a, uh, Avon's voice has been there right. and various people have had their, their takes on <laughs> having, yeah, having right, a go yeah. at Avon. It's nice to hear the real thing. Yeah, I have a contract out on Anthony. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He'll be delighted to hear that. <laughs> yeah. would, has it been fun to be playing? such an iconic character because he is a he's a TV icon isn't he well he was uh, yes uh, it's a long time ago but uh, hopefully this will uh, revive uh, the iconic status that perhaps you are right in saying he was hmm. I think of all the characters in the series it's the one that's indelible it's the one that everybody will key into when you say Blake Seven they mm. won't say Oh, I mean, you know, nothing personal. They would say, "Oh, Blake." They'll go, "Oh, Avon." It's 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 well, funny that uh, it is. Yes, uh, I think uh, different characters appeal to to different people. I sure. think uh, Blake appear had an avuncular quality, and uh, appealed to um, uh, spotty teenagers, <laughs> uh, whereas Avon appealed appealed to. Um, Forty-year-old divorcees. <laughs> 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 but, but there's always—I mean, everybody likes a slightly ambivalent character, and that's what Avon was. He just—he mm-hmm. wasn't a goodie, and he wasn't a baddie. He was—he was—he um, was a real, you know. Well, he looked after fish. number one, uh, yeah, uh, which is what I would do in those circumstances. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's just have a little clip from the Turing test, and this is Paul Darrow back as Avon. Sam. Put up the false wall. Jenna, the neutron blasters, everything we've got. Avon, don't try to fight them. Just get us out of here. That's not an entirely stupid idea. Zen, maximum speed. Now. Confirm. The Liberator, the fastest ship in the galaxy, could outrun Cassini pirates, but they would not forget us. We'd made another enemy to add to our ever-growing list. Back then, a few months since we'd first got aboard, we hardly understood the danger we were in. Blake told us we were free now, that we could bring down the Federation, that we would survive. The others all believed him, and I... I was biding my time. Um, I just wanted to bring up the fact that a few years ago, was it three years ago, we were all here, exactly the same people, recording Rebecca's World. Rebecca's World. An adaptation of a book also by Terry Nation. Yes. Um, Paul, what are your memories of Rebecca's World recording it and, and, and your affection for the, for the project, really? Well, I have a... Terry and I became very good friends and I'm very pleased to be able to say that I'm still considered to be a member of the family and 
Rebecca, his daughter, uh, he wrote that for her. And when I was over there at one time, she said she would like it recorded if I would do it. And uh, I, yes, of course, I, I was very happy to do it. And it was, it was, it was fun to do. It's a charming story. A bit like The Wizard of Oz in Outer Space. Mm. <laughs> all those wonderful characters. I know. We were spotting the characters, weren't we? The voices. Oh, that's right, because I, I'm not really an actor. I'm a mimic. Mim- mim- mimic. I can't even speak. I'm a mimic. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I'm, uh, I, so I'm afraid I stole a few voices from out of the ether. They were, they were very appropriately picked, though. Oh, oh yeah, good. extraordinary. Yeah, well, you, yeah, well... You couldn't get Rory Bremner, could you? No. <laughs> I was away that day. Never mind. <laughs> and these are, I mean, your memories yeah. of Rebecca's world. Oh, things, yeah, it? it was. I mean, they, they had some very, um, very broad characters in Rebecca's world. They were all very well defined, as, as are most children's books when it comes to you know, who's the goody, who's the baddie. But there were so many of them, and we, we had the baddie, we had the baddie sidekicks, we had three extraordinary characters travelling with Rebecca herself. And... Paul's choices were all fantastic. Mm. And I think, you know, ultimately, with, with all the, the effects and the music and the wonderful... It, it, I think it came together. It was charming. I, I really enjoyed it, actually. And it was lovely um, to, well, to work with Paul again. I, I worked in, with Paul in the theatre a long time ago. Yes, we won't say when. No, no. no. Uh, no you <laughs> Thanks were, for that. You, you were very good. I, I do appreciate it. I'll say that in public. Um, <laughs> because you, when I was doing all the different voices, you said, no, no. Uh, that's the other character, <laughs> and, and so and well, there, I, were I was asked, there were a lot. There were a lot. Did you colour code your? So, so you get actors no, who colour no, code no, their. No, no, uh, you uh, had to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Such a pro, but uh, no, it, it was it was great fun, and uh, and it's lovely. In a way, it's 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 strange. We've sort of come full circle now with with Terry Nation. We've got, we're, and and it, I think it's fantastic that Big Finish have, uh, are getting a go to do some proper Blake Seven. It's really rather exciting, yeah, actually. Me too. Excellent. Well, I'm going to leave everybody with a clip of Rebecca's World, still available at bigfinish.com. And for now, Paul Darrow, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, David. Bye for now. Bye. One by one, the four sons of Rebecca's World lowered themselves out of sight behind the mountains. In the fading light, the rocks took on menacing shapes. A cold wind had begun to stir the bushes, and they seemed to mutter and whisper as Rebecca walked past. The track was so overgrown that it was hard to follow. Sharp, spiteful brambles snatched at her dress. She looked back, hoping that her three friends might have changed their minds and followed her. The trail was empty. Rebecca felt very small, very frightened, and very alone. She pushed forward through a clump of thick brambles and found her path blocked by a large stone. There were letters carved on it. She rubbed some moss away and read, Halt! Stop! Desist! Cease! 